Welcome to Keeping It Real with Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax, every Saturday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. My mission is to stick to the three P's, delivering to you advice, guests, and data that are practical, profitable, and plain English. I'm the owner and team leader of Platinum Realty Team here in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. We sell our clients' homes in half the average time and for 3.8% more than the average area real estate agent. So here's the deal. If you need to sell your home, we've got you covered because I have over 886 buyers right now actively seeking a home here in the Delaware Valley. These buyers are on retainer, they're pre-qualified, and ready to make an offer on the right home. So visit www.warrenhasthebuyers.com to match up your home with one of these ready-to-act buyers now. That's warrenhasthebuyers.com. So whether you're buying a home or whether you're selling a home, it's a legal contract that you're going to use to make this all happen, and that's where a lot of the risk comes in. You know, So today, we're going to talk about some of the most common mistakes that buyers and sellers make in real estate, and with me today is Tony Esposito from Platinum Realty Team. And Tony, I think when we talk about legal mistakes that people make, I would say probably the biggest mistake that buyers and sellers make is they do not hire a real estate attorney. Now, there's a good point, Warren. Just because he's... You know, somebody's an attorney. Everybody specializes in stuff. Just look at a doctor. You know, broken bone, you don't go to your, you know, general doctor. There's, you know, an orthopedic and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just like attorneys, there's great attorneys for defense. There's great attorneys for business. There's great attorneys uh, when you're dealing with wills. And then there's great attorneys for, for real estate, which is a whole different segment of itself uh, with it. And that's what you... You want somebody that does this, you know, very versed on the contracts as well as the agreements of sale, depending on which state you're in, uh, onto it. Well, I would say we we talk about hiring someone who specializes in real estate, but a lot of folks don't hire an attorney at all when they yeah. when they process their real estate transaction. And the assumption I think that a lot of folks make is, well, the real estate agent knows a lot about the contract, so I don't really need an attorney. That's just an extra expense. Or maybe they even think we're, we're just trying to reach in their pocket and, and spend their money unnecessarily, and nothing could be further from the truth. We're trying to protect them. Great point. Yeah, again, we, we do two states, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Uh, New Jersey, they have what they call attorney review. Um, and much, uh, more, much more of a culture there of using attorneys. It's, it's the very scary language at the front page of the contract. So, so I think we all, when you look at that first page, if you're reading it, which you really should, no matter what the agent is doing, you should be reading these things. If you read the first page of the New Jersey contract, it spells out pretty clearly that you need to be using an attorney. And don't believe anybody that tells you the, the latitude in New Jersey matters, okay? Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's longitude or latitude, but whether you're in South Jersey, quote unquote, yes. or Central Jersey, quote unquote, or North Jersey, whatever you wanna call these parts, it's all one state with one state legislator with one government and they, uh, governor, and they have laws there, and they're very specific, and the New Jersey Bar Association is very specific about what needs to happen. Yeah, well, the biggest thing is, is uh, us as a realtor, we can't give legal advice. Right. P people have a question. There's a point that you can answer, and then there's a point where if it becomes a legal matter, again, the only people who can practice law is people who went and 
went to law school, passed the bar exam. Great. So, so we're going to spend the rest of the show giving what sounds like legal advice, but I just want to be yeah. clear: we're not, we're not attorneys, but we've done thousands of real estate transactions, you know. And the bottom line is, we see mistakes that folks make, but just remember the caveat: get an attorney, get an attorney. You're you're dealing with the. I always say when somebody's buying a house, it's the sing, single, it's the biggest tr- financial decision they're making in their lifetime right now. You're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars, at least. Then, yeah. Exactly. Just look at if an average sale is two hundred, two hundred and fifty thousand, even a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. An attorney's going to charge you in New Jersey. It's anywhere from seven fifty to twelve fifty. When you look at it as part of your closing cost, it's really not that much. Because if there's a problem that comes up when you're in the middle of the deal and you need an attorney, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. No you already have the attorney locked in doing the transaction for that price. Pennsylvania, it's even worse. Uh, Pennsylvania, they, the agents say, oh, no, you know, these are standard contracts. They're correct. They are standard contracts, but they're filling the blanks. If a problem arises, which always does, it's just a matter of when it pops up in the transaction. Again, most attorneys in Pennsylvania do it for under $1,000. You could put that as part of your closing cost, especially if you're getting seller assist from the seller. That's a closing cost. Yeah, it's it's a no-brainer that you need an attorney when you're doing a transaction of this magnitude. There's no question about it, and we could beat that you know all day mm-hmm. long. But we we've made that point. And so what we have is we have a report for you specifically on legal mistakes that you want to avoid. It's the, it's what we're going to be talking about throughout this show. And you can get access to this report. Just visit our website, www.realtylegalmistakes.com. These are things you need to know, mistakes you need to avoid when you're selling your home or even buying a home. www.realty, R-E-A-L-T-Y, legalmistakes.com. Dot com, RealtyLegalMistakes.com. It's Keeping It Real with Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax from Platinum Realty Team. Remember, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Call me directly at 215-945-3000 or visit www.WarrenHasTheBuyers.com for more details. We're talking about legal mistakes to avoid when you're buying or selling a home. With me now is Tony Esposito from Platinum Realty Team. So, Tony, um, let's talk about some of the other... uh, big you know sticking points in real estate transactions and i would say seller disclosure is probably the number one source of lawsuits when you're talking about uh real estate huge huge and uh, it's funny we talk about two different states pennsylvania sellers disclosures mandatory to have with it as funny as it is in new jersey it's optional technically it's optional, optional. but obviously Te- it's it's, it's, a it's something hideously that- horrible idea to close a real estate transaction without a seller's disclosure that's filled out by the seller and every signed question, by the buyer. Yeah, every question absolutely answered. Yeah. Uh, the seller's disclosure is there to protect the seller. Yeah, it is It is ironic. It all depends on how these things are explained to you, right? And, and this yeah. is where you really want to look at the advice that you're getting and, and maybe ask yourself some questions and, you know, does it really make sense? If, if, if a real estate professional is telling me, oh, I don't need to worry about something, I don't know. I don't know that you know how experienced that person is, or, or how flippant they are, or what. But these are things that come up all the time. And um, to your point, disclosing what you know about a property or disclosing that you don't know things protects you. You know, to use your word, and, and it's a good one. Um, and this notion that it's optional. Look, there are certain circumstances where you're not going to be able to get a seller's disclosure. Um, 
if the home is owned by a bank, um, right. if there's an estate and the, the people who are the heirs don't know anything about the home. These are, these are some exceptions, but by and large, let's explain what seller's disclosure is. Uh, it's, it, it's the law in Pennsylvania that sellers must disclose all known material defects about a property. So what does that mean? That means if every fall, when the rains come, my basement floods, and I hide that from a buyer, um, I'm gonna have a problem. And when, when am I gonna have the problem? I'm gonna have the problem after the closing if the buyer didn't detect it, and the neighbors come over and say, oh, so what are you doing about the flooding in the basement this fall? Right. Because you're, you're never gonna be able to hide something from a buyer. It's eventually going to happen. And the neighbors, they saw the Roto-Rooter truck outside of your home every fall, okay? So understand, these things are always gonna come out, right? Is what I always uh, tell a seller. If you close on your house in June, you don't never want to talk about 123 Main Street again. If you're not disclosing something and it comes up, you're going to be talking about 123 Main Street, September, October, December, whatever the, the issue comes up. And you don't need that. You've already moved on with your life. Even to the point where, again, seller's disclosure, it, it is a, um, it's a long form to fill out, a lot, lot of stuff. But we don't know every every answer, and it's okay. I tell sellers all the time: if you don't know, it's okay to say I don't know. Yeah. So we're talking about a specific form um, that's actually provided by the Pennsylvania Association of Realtors, but it is state law in Pennsylvania. So even if you're selling your home yourself, understand right. the law is you must disclose all known material defects. There's a there's a form that the the, the Realtor Association of Pennsylvania provides um, that makes it easy to really cover all the bases. So pretty much everybody uses it uh, in real estate transactions, and it's just a wise thing to do. Um, and this form, you know, where Tony's talking about is it's involved. It's single line, single spacing, 10 pages, 11 pages? 11 pages. It's 11 pages yeah. if you include the lead paint. So there's a lot to it. And the idea is the more thorough that you are, the more you're protected. Um, and yeah, there's always a concern if I'm selling my property that maybe putting too much on this form could cause buyers to, to have questions, to lower offers, to, to maybe not make offers on my home. But if there's a real issue with my home, you know, the last thing I want to do is try to hide anything. You know, to your point, once we've had the closing, whatever month of the year it is, I don't want to have to ever deal with that property again. Certainly not a lawsuit, which in Pennsylvania can drag on forever, <laughs> 10, 10 years or more in some right. cases. So they really don't ever go away or out of your life. So... We're talking about, you know, different legal mistakes that folks make when selling homes, whether you're in Pennsylvania, whether you're in New Jersey. Uh, and specifically, we're talking about right now, seller's disclosure and the importance of filling out the form thoroughly. Uh, the next point I wanted to make was with respect to contingencies. So in real estate transactions, there are various contingencies. There's contingencies for home inspections, et cetera. So the, the point that we want to make is just because you have an inspection doesn't mean you have the contingency. So you have to be clear when you're making the offer that your agent is advising you that way. Yeah, every, yeah, everything's done on a timeline. You have the contingency as long as you uh, follow the terms of the contingency. Um, Pennsylvania, it has, as the default, 10 days to get a home inspection. That doesn't mean get the home inspection done on the 10th day. That means you have to get the home inspection done and a reply within a 10-day time frame. So we're, we're talking about legal mistakes to avoid 
when you're buying or selling a home. We're going to revisit this in just a moment. But look, if you're looking to sell your home, remember, I'll actually buy it if the home doesn't sell. Visit WarrenHasTheBuyers.com for more details. It's Keeping It Real with Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax, from Platinum Realty Team. Remember, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Call 215-945-3000 to get your home sold now. Or you can visit warrenhasthebuyers.com and get a free report that details our guaranteed sale program. So we're talking about legal mistakes that buyers and sellers make when they're involved in a real estate transaction, how to avoid it. And and the first piece of advice we have is, the best way to avoid it is make sure there's a real estate attorney in your transaction. So we're giving you tips on things you can look for, but of course it's not legal advice because Tony and I are not attorneys, but getting a real estate attorney in the transaction really is the best advice we can give. So with me is Tony Esposito from Platinum Realty Team. And before the break, Tony, you were talking about contingencies, things like home inspections, things like that. And you, you brought up a really important point about timelines. Right. There, everything is done in the contingency. There's there's terms in that contingency. Um, and as I said, you can make it longer. Uh, there, there's a field that you could put it in for 14 days, 21 days. Just understand. So the the, the typical, you know, the default in the contract 10. says 10 days. And your point is that all numbers, and it states it in the contract, all numbers that are in there are negotiable. Right. It just has to be obviously agreed to between the buyer and the seller. Right. From a from a, from a, from a buyer's point of view, the excuse me, from a seller's point of view, the longer. The timeline is the less attractive an offer looks. That's right. You definitely weaken an offer if you're asking for more time. Because remember, when you have a contingency, that means the deal is not firm. That means really all you've done is just force the seller to take their home off the market. But they're not in a position where they're comfortable and that they know that their money is coming as soon as the mortgage goes through. And it's not unless... It's something unique with the house, uh, if if it has septic, if it has wells, uh, to be able to get an inspector out. Maybe may may take a little longer for certain certain inspections. But the normal, if we just talk about the normal and the majority of it, when you're just getting the home inspection, termite rate on uh, them things, it's not a problem to get it done within ten days and a reply back to the seller within ten days. Easy. Really, it could be done in five to seven days. That actually looks more attractive to a seller. That's how a buyer can strengthen an offer. Um, yeah, let's be clear. I, I know I, I'm pretty direct about this kind of thing, but everybody that's in a real estate transaction that's telling you to elongate the transaction is lazy. Okay, they don't have your mm-hmm. best interest at heart. Home, you know, mortgage people, you know, loan officers that are telling you, "Oh, I need more time." They're just lazy, plain and simple. If you're doing your part as a buyer and you're getting your mortgage documents to your lender quickly, or the title company, or the home inspector, or the the real estate professional, you know, the agent, any of these people that are trying to stretch this out, they're not doing you a favor. You've identified a property, and the faster you can move, the, the more attractive your offer is going to be. So I, I don't mind saying this. There's a lot of lazy people out there that, that are in this business, and that's that's all it is. It's just laziness. Get going, because our part of the country has the slowest real estate transactions out there. Most of the United States, they get these things done in three weeks, and, and everybody moves on. You get your keys. The seller gets their money. Let's go. All right? This 60-day stuff, it's ridiculous. It's so funny. It's like going to a restaurant. Do you want to wait 10 minutes for your food or do you want to wait two hours? <laughs> well, same thing you know, with, same thing a, with nice, a house. A nicer <laughs> restaurant, I don't know if 10 minutes is going to get it done either. But, I think yeah. It depends where I'm going. But yeah, I don't want to wait two hours. But that, but that's, that, that's, that's the same thing. Show. You, you bought it. You want it. Yeah. 
Okay, you yeah. you you want it, and, and our job is to, is to, is to get you into the house. So you're in the bar- backyard barbecue and swimming, whatever it may be, and you know they circle back into the contingencies with with the home inspection. Once that's done, you have a report. It's very detailed. I always tell this uh, to the buyer: please go to the inspection. They the 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 home inspector is the professional there. They will tell you about the house. They will tell you maybe this is an issue with a house but in this area that's normal well the big yeah and we're talking about legal mistakes that folks make and and we don't want to get into the weeds of too many specifics or give any any examples or anything like that because that would be um maybe misrepresenting but there's definitely an issue of misunderstanding and your your point your advice is really good which is if you can speak with the inspector because everything looks scary on paper yes let's be clear contracts look scary home inspection reports look scary remember home inspection reports are 30 pages Okay, maybe they're 20, maybe they're 40, but they're long documents. The home inspector is not just going to walk in the house, look around, walk out and say, okay, check. Okay, Mm. that's not what they do. They're going to walk through and look at every single system in the home and give it the once over. So understand, it's going to be a scary document. Even new construction has tons of things that are, you know, checked off as not being perfect. So just know that going in with the home inspection. So your your advice, Tony, is great that we obviously want to spend some time with the home inspector because what I'm looking for in a home inspector is somebody with perspective, right. okay? Somebody who's going to tell me as a home buyer, look, there's a lot of stuff here that you as a homeowner are going to want to work on moving forward, and here's that list. You know, you're going to have to look out for this. This is old. It could probably go in the next few years. None of that's the seller's problem. Okay, you're buying the house, okay, and you're buying a used house, by the way, in these examples that we're giving. It's not new construction, so clearly if something's old, that's baked into the price that you're paying. But then you also want the inspector who's going to identify the real serious issues and point out, you know what, this is something that you could not have noticed before you, you know, looking at the home as not a professional, and this is something that's really an issue. And you want that perspective from your home inspector. That's where you're going to be able to prevent the legal mistakes. So here's what you do. Go to our website to get this free report, realtylegalmistakes.com, realtylegalmistakes.com. These are things you need to know, mistakes to avoid when you're selling your home or buying a home that prevent you, you know, obviously from having these legal problems, realtylegalmistakes.com. It's Keeping It Real with Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax from Platinum Realty Team. Remember, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Visit warrenhasthebuyers.com for more details. So we're speaking with Tony Esposito from Platinum Realty Team about avoiding legal mistakes in your real estate transactions. Um, Tony, there's a clause in the Pennsylvania contract that says maintenance and risk of loss. What does that mean to me if I'm the seller? If I'm the if you're the seller is what that means is I still have to maintain my property other than normal reasonable wear and tear. That doesn't mean if and I was just in this situation, just went under contract the next day, the air conditioner broke. Mm. Well, when the buyer made the offer on the house, the air conditioner was working, so she had to get it fixed. Well, she don't use pronouns. What does that mean? She. She, I'm seller. sorry, the seller. Okay. The, the seller yeah, so ahead. as a buyer, let's let's talk this through. As a buyer, I have a reasonable expectation that whatever I see in the home that I negotiate into the transaction right. is what I can expect. So if I'm looking at a home during the marketing period and the air conditioning's working, this clause, you know, again, not to not to pretend that I'm an attorney, but you know, our the way we've been trained as real estate professionals is this means that the seller has to maintain it. So in this example you're giving, which is a great example. 
the air conditioner broke after the buyer and the seller had already entered into a purchase right. contract. So it was the seller's responsibility to repair that air conditioner to the same condition it was in before, which is it was working. It was cool. I mean, the seller said, do I have to? Well, under, under maintenance, risk, and loss, I mean, we don't have to do anything. And, and that's a great point. Right. So let's talk through that. Do I have to? Actually, no, you don't. Right. And the buyer has the right, right. to cancel the transaction yes. at that point. So, But it, that is a great point. You don't have to do it. Right. Right. The seller didn't have to repair that air conditioner. It's just that per the terms of the contract, this now gives the buyer the right to cancel the deal and get their deposit money back. That's the key. But let's say it's such a smoking deal. You know, let's say this home was priced $50,000 under market and it's going to be a $5,000 repair. I, as a buyer, may want the property anyway, right? Uh, So luckily the contract gives me the right to move forward and just buy the house anyway, even though the air conditioner broke and it would have been good if the seller fixed it. Uh, You're you're 100% right. And and they always tend to work themselves out because of what what did I pay for the house? What's my expectations? This particular home I just spoke about, there was a lot of interest in it. Did the seller have to do it? We probably could have gotten it sold with the air conditioner broke. She was happy. She wanted to move on with her life and get into another home. So she said, let me just get it done. We agreed to it. And and everybody was happy. And, you know, actually, it's closing next week. Um, so that's, that's – I've had it where under maintenance risk and loss several years ago when there was a, a storm, uh, the buyer just drove around and looked at the house, opened it up, and – all the, the radiators were taken, you know, the baseboards. Well, that's that's another common, really stu- that's a common yeah. issue um, in, in high crime areas where a lot of times if the home is vacant, copper stolen, things like yeah. that. And again, that all falls under this maintenance and risk of loss. So this is what's here to protect the buyer, that whatever condition it was in, the home we're talking about, when you, per, you know, signed the purchase and sale agreement and the the seller signed it as well, executed the contract, that's the condition that the buyer has the right for the home to be in at the time of closing. So look, if you're looking to sell your home, remember, I'll actually buy the home if it doesn't sell. Visit warrenhasthebuyers.com for more details. It's Keeping It Real with Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax from Platinum Realty Team. Remember, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Call me at 215-945-3000 to get your home sold now. Or you can visit me at warrenhasthebuyers.com. We'll send you a free report that details our guaranteed sale program. So now it's time for Mortgage Matters with local mortgage market expert Dawn Sharapoff from Green Tree Mortgage Company. Dawn, how are you? I am very well, thanks, Warren. Excellent. So today I thought we would talk about all the different government programs that are out there, government loan programs. And we've heard many of the acronyms FHA, VA, USDA. The problem is, do you know which of those programs are right for you? Do you know what the difference between those programs are? So we're just going to kind of take a general overview as to exactly what they are and what might be good for our listeners. FHA stands for the Federal Housing Authority. There is a myth that FHA loans are only for first-time home buyers, and that is actually a myth. They are for anybody that can qualify for them. FHA loans allow you to buy a home with as little as 3.5% down. Depending on the lender that you work with, you can have a credit score as low as, well, a credit score of 580, not saying that's bad, but I was going to say as low as 580. And of course, you're even better if your credit score is at 640 or better. Um, FHA loans um, also allow you to get something that's called seller assist, which will help you 
finance or roll your closing costs into the mortgage. You can get up to 6% help or seller assist towards your closing costs if you use an FHA loan. Unlike their close cousin, USDA loans, FHA loans are not property specific. What do I mean by that? Meaning that the FHA loan type is qualified for by, by the buyer itself. They look at the buyer's credentials, their ability to buy, et cetera, and that's what determines whether they get an FHA loan. In contrast, a USDA loan, which is also advantageous as far as low interest rates, low down payments, lower PMI, that type of loan is property specific, meaning you can't just pick a house and then say, hey, I want a USDA loan. It is you have to make sure that the house itself qualifies for that type of program. Then, of course, lastly, there are VA loans. VA standing for the Veterans Association. Now, of course, yes, you do have to be a, a veteran in order to qualify for one of those loans. Some of the benefits, you can put as little as 0% down, 0% financing, and you do not pay that buzzword that we all call PMI, which stands for private mortgage insurance. So benefit is you put very little or no money down, and it minimizes your mortgage payment as well because you don't have to add that extra PMI because you're putting less than 20% down. Once again, determining which one of these programs qualifies for you is not just something that you can decide on your own. I strongly, strongly encourage everybody to sit with a mortgage planner. Find out where you are now with your credit and your finances. Decide where you want to go. In other words, where you'd like to live what you would like your monthly mortgage payment to be, everything included, being your principal and interest, your property taxes, your homeowner's insurance, as well as potentially PMI, and then find out the best program that's gonna get you from A, where you are, to B, where you wanna go, which is a, hope, perhaps a first or a second time home buyer. So um, just to question, the, the USDA, my understanding is that that's typically for rural properties. It's typically for rural properties. The question is, what's the definition of rural? Sure. There are which some counties. large swaths of New yeah. Jersey that they call rural, which is great. Exactly, it's but really you would not. never know. Yeah, yeah. You'd be driving down the street and you'll find a home in the middle of amongst a mass that are not USDA approved, and that property might be. So if you think you are in an area where that might be an option, best thing is check with your professional that you're working with and have them check the address of the property for you and, and see if it might qualify. Yeah, I would. I would point out that you would just you would want to bring that up because I don't think the loan officer is necessarily going to talk about USDA loans just off the bat. They're going to be looking at, at your situation, your credit, et cetera. Mm -hmm. They may not even think to mention or think of that as a possibility. So I would ask the question. That's true. It depends. Yeah. Some loan officers, well, it's going to, again, depend on how broad of a planning program they do for the buyer. Um, I think it's routine to check that option if, if it's thought that it would benefit them. But of course, yes, ask the question if it's not offered to you up front. You mentioned that there's a difference if my credit score is 580 versus mm -hmm. 640. What is the difference? The difference would be the amount of money you can borrow based on what we call your debt to income ratio. Okay. Your debt to income ratio takes your gross annual income. It compares it to your monthly fixed debts as you stand now, but it also includes the future mortgage that you're going to obtain. If your credit score is between 580 and 620, your debt to income ratio has to be less than 43%. In contrast, if your credit score exceeds 620, 
your debt to income ratio, depending on the company, but I'll speak for what I can help people with, can be up to 55%. So these are all points that where you want to ask your mortgage professional. We're not saying that every one of these things applies to every single person. That That's never the case when Correct. it comes to this sort of personalized Correct. service. The key is understanding what your options are, knowing that you have different options, and, and asking the right questions. I think I think that's you would agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. And on that point, ask the right questions of the right people. What I encounter a lot is, I'll have someone working on a plan and then I'll get a phone call saying, hey, but my friend just did XYZ and PDQ and how come we're not doing that? Well, because your friend's credit is probably different. Their income is different. What they're looking to accomplish is different. So be careful, as I often say, of taking information from the wrong people. And I don't mean they're bad people, but wrong people as to the level of their their level of expertise on the topic. Well, yeah, we talk about that all the time, uh, whether it's mortgages or real estate, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, yes. the mailman's always wrong, just to be clear, when it comes to the price of homes. Yes, <laughs> so that's we, true. You know, that, but that, you would be surprised. And how many people <laughs> listen to their mailman about the value of homes in the right. neighborhood? Yeah, right. it, it is amazing. And, you know, I, I love the expression, what homes are going for. That mm -hmm. cracks me up. Yes. Because what usually the person means when they say that is the asking price of the home down the street. Right. Okay, well, only half the homes even sell at all, mm -hmm. okay? And plenty of them go at discounted off the asking price. In fact, only about 12% of homes that are sold sell for full asking price. Now, mm -hmm. I say only, that's actually pretty good. It's, but yeah, the point is, number. if I'm listening to the mailman about what homes are quote-unquote going for, I'm probably using bad information, and that's going to hurt me because yes. everything in life is about expectations. It, so, it absolutely is. Yeah. And setting the right ones with, with the right facts. I mean, what do they say? They say a little bit of knowledge sometimes is a bad thing. Um, if the little bit of knowledge that you obtain is good knowledge, then perhaps it's good. But listening to the wrong information can certainly lead you down the wrong path and create doubt that not that could hinder the process. What about the appraisal for the FHA and the VA mortgage? There's there's a lot of folks out there who maybe they remember. Um, the way it used to be and mm -hmm. it has changed, but there's definitely some negative perceptions of that. There are. The negative perceptions that I encounter most are people saying, oh, FHA appraisals are really hard. Sometimes they undervalue. They can they nitpick at things on the property that need to be fixed. I, I can tell you on the real estate side that there are a lot of sellers and seller agents mm -hmm. who are very skittish about accepting an FHA mortgage in an offer because their fear is that the FHA appraisal will nitpick the home, to mm -hmm. use your words, and that now they will have a disclosure issue, which mm -hmm. we've been speaking about in this in this show, about seller's disclosure. And if something comes up in that appraisal, then the appraiser starts nitpicking my home. You know, I'm going to have a problem, whereas a conventional appraisal is going to be dramatically much easier. easier. That's the perception. Is that true? That's the perception. I would say it's true. Okay. but. I would take it as not, a not positive. being absolute, but no, is no, no. It in general. In, in it, general, yes, yeah. it's true. Okay. And I would say that a buyer, if I were the buyer and knew that an FHA appraiser was going to nitpick versus a conventional appraiser was not, I would take that from a buyer's perspective as a positive because, yes, you're going to get home inspections and that sort of thing, but they are really going to take a look at that property and make sure that everything that's necessary to bring it up to FHA standards such as railings on staircases, mm -hmm. such as peeling paint and things of that nature. The seller really doesn't have an option if we go with an FHA appraisal and it's the appraiser determines, well, your value is fine, but mm -hmm. unless you fix this, this, and this, we're not going to finalize that appraisal. Um, that's a good thing for the buyer. Well, I'm, Can not, be. I'm not sure that I agree. And okay. I, you know how much I respect you, but uh, I the reason I disagree is 
if the perception is uh, on the seller side that this is bad, mm-hmm. it's going to harm my ability to get my home. Okay, so it's you know it it would be easy to tell buyers, hey, don't worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Everybody else has to. We use the term mm-hmm. has to. I think you even used it. They don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, the seller can say no, thank you, and move on and sell the house to somebody else. So if I want this house, I want to put myself in a position to get it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not there's a railing on every single two steps in the house, mm-hmm. I can put in my own railings potentially. So I understand, and I do, and I get it. It's a government program, so mm-hmm. the government sets the rules, so it has to be enforced, and I, and I absolutely support that. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, I wouldn't use absolutes when, okay. when we're talking and when we're advising you know folks out there so that, i think it's an interesting dynamic. Choice, choice of no words. no and i'm not trying to nitpick at your wording no, i'm no, merely pointing out and i like this dialogue because I, I like the fact that um you, people can see that there's pluses and minuses and also what i really like that's important for us to to share with folks is remember to look at things from the other side Okay, because th- this this is not a fixed pie. Okay, right. the pie grows. It's mm-hmm. not well. If I do well, then you have to do badly. Mm-hmm. Not I hate to do this because I'm generalizing, but I have to say the legal profession does this a lot, and mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for for attorneys. Obviously, I'm I'm advising everyone to use attorneys. I mm-hmm. do all the time, but I do find when we use real estate attorneys, one negative and one reason why you really need a great real estate agent and great lender, all of your team is. A lot of attorneys look at the world as a fixed pie, and if we can win so that they lose. And the truth That's is true. we can all win and grow the yep. pie. And so in this example where we're talking about you know, what type of mortgage you're going to get and what's going to be accepted or not, I just think it's important to understand what are my choices and how does that impact everybody else potentially in a transaction. And we'll just kind of... We can, we, is that okay to leave it at that? Sure, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> no, I, but I, I'm not trying to talk over you so no, much. No, you're as... not. No, I'm, and I'm enjoying the dialogue as well. And the, the other side of that pie, if you will, also is that when – and to kind of talk on the listing real estate agent side, if I may, mm-hmm. they the seller should know their market in the sense of what they're the, – the type of buyer that is potentially mm-hmm. going to be – purchasing their home. I'll give you that. And I'll to be prepared yeah. for if what will come down the If you're in an area where pike. everybody's using FHA mortgages, well, then that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, Plain so and I think that's yeah. kind of that's where my thought, fair. I may not have verbalized it appropriately, and therefore the dialogue was great to clarify that, but yes. That's that's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. Welcome it's Keeping It Real with it Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax, from Platinum Realty Team. Remember, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Call me at 215-945-3000 to get your home sold now. Or visit warrenhasthebuyers.com. We can get you a free report that details our guaranteed sale program. So we're speaking with Tony Esposito from Platinum Realty Team about legal mistakes to avoid when you're buying or selling a home. And Tony, one of the big issues that comes up in home sales, and you would think that this is not a problem, but actually it happens a lot, is what is included in the sale and what is not included in the sale, what we would call an exclusion. That's, that's, that's a great point, Warren, uh, when we talk about the inclusions and exclusions. And from the technical standpoint, it's considered personal property versus fixtures. Well, what does all that mean? Versus, so many, versus real property, which is right. the actual, the land, the, the, right. the house that's on the land, yeah. So is what most people, the most common one is washer, dryer, refrigerator. So many people think that that has to come with the house. Well, no, that doesn't. 
That's considered personal property. What's personal property is anything that's not attached to the house. Well, that's a, that's a layman's way of potentially looking at it. The, right. the lawyers are cringing just hearing you saying that, so I got to throw the disclaimer <laughs> in that that's not necessarily so. But it's a it's a decent rule of thumb. That right. Things that are affixed to the property, like the plumbing, right? Like you can't take the plumbing with you. The that stove, sort of the thing. microwave that's attached. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you got to be careful with everything, and and so that's really what we're talking about here when we're talking about what's included and what's not. I, I always say when, when doing it is, if you're not sure, just write it in. So this way, we're not at closing saying, oh, the microwave was attached to the wall. It should have been included. It's not included. Well, just write it in. Well, this, Same this thing is, with exclusions. Precisely. And th this is really, remember, this is what this show is about. It's not about giving legal advice. It's about giving you some general ideas right. of things to think about and potentially even remind your real estate agent that you want to know about. So the, the advice that I give, which is a little bit conservative, but trust me, it saves a lot of aggravation, is if you want something, you include it in the contract and you include the serial number of the specific item and just take a picture with your phone and include a picture in the purchase contract when you make the offer. So here, here's the example. Tony, Tony accurately pointed out that the most common inclusions in a transaction would be the refrigerator, the washer, and the dryer. Well, what if these are really important selling points to you? They have very nice high-end refrigerator, very nice high-end washer and dryer, and that's important to you. Understand that if the real estate agent simply writes washer in the contract, they are only legally obligated to provide you with a functioning washer. That's not necessarily the one that was there. And you can have a lot of ambiguity here and a lot of problems. And we've seen lawsuits about appliances. So the safe thing to do is put the actual serial number of the appliance that you're that you see, because there are some examples of you know, builders who just show models. They show uh -huh. examples of high-end you know, appliances, but they're not necessarily included in the sale. They're not even being nefarious. This is just marketing. They're doing their job. If you didn't put it in your offer, how can they know that you really want it? We signed something. It, it's not what we, you know, we're not going to provide something extra just because we like you. They, they can't afford to do that. So it's a safe thing to do just to put the serial numbers in there. And I would include a picture as well, just so that everybody's on the same page. And, and on the flip side, when you're talking about exclusions, uh, from a seller's point of view, the big, the big thing is when you walk into a home, a chandelier that is in a foyer or, or in a, uh, a dining room, and it may not even be an expensive one. It could be just a sentimental one. The life fixture is considered a fixture where it would stay in the house. If it's not discussed, all of a sudden the seller takes the light fixture, the chandelier, whatever, and then you're doing a walkthrough before closing. The buyer's like, where is it? Well, and we discussed maintenance and risk of loss earlier. Yeah. This is now different. You've taken something out of here that was a selling point to me, and we have a problem. Absolutely. And, and it very well could jeopardize the closing. It certainly has in plenty I, of examples around stop the state. It, or, yep. or the seller has to bring it back or the seller, what solves every problem we always say is money. It may cost the seller money to do that. And it's all because it wasn't set up front. When you're sitting with a seller, hey, is there anything in this house that you do not want to sell with it? You know, AKA really a lot of the times <clears throat> uh, life fixtures 
window dressings, whatever it may be. If it's so, important so, to the so cell, the best way to solve that, from what you're saying, is remove it before you even start showing the home oh, to buyers. Don't even, even have that, yeah. yeah. Don't even allow a buyer to fall in love with something of yours that you plan on taking with you. It's not helping sell the house. Now it's just creating a problem. Just remove it before you even start showing the home. So look, we're talking about legal mistakes that you want to avoid, and we have this free report that will help you prevent a lot of these problems that we're describing. And the way to get it is go to our website, realtylegalmistakes.com. These are things you need to know, mistakes you want to avoid when you're buying a home or selling a home, www.realtylegalmistakes.com. It's Keeping It Real with Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax, from Platinum Realty Team. Remember, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Call me directly at 215-945-3000 or visit warrenhasthebuyers.com for more details. So we're speaking about legal mistakes to avoid, you know, sticking points in transactions. Um, time of the essence, Tony, what does that mean? Why, does, why is that important in a purchase contract? The importance of it is there's dates and there's hard dates, like we talked about earlier with the home inspection done within 10 days. That's time of the essence. There's there's a clause time of the essence where uh, you make an offer to a seller and you want to hear back by a certain date. Well, if the seller is what really happens there, if the seller doesn't hear back from them, gives the option to the buyer that they don't have to sit around forever. But so essentially, the, the, the expression time of the essence, it's a legal term that means these dates in these contract that we are all agreeing to actually mean something. They yeah. are real deadlines. The, I would say a problem in New Jersey is that time is not of the essence in the contract. So on the Pennsylvania side, time is of the essence. If you're buying a home in Pennsylvania, understand that these deadlines are firm and you know we want to help you. We want to protect you. Don't miss your deadlines in Pennsylvania. In New Jersey... Just talk to your attorney because, you know, every, every transaction is different. Time is not of the essence in most New Jersey transactions. And truthfully, people are very loose with the deadlines. It's, it's funny you say that. I'll give you a funny story with it. I, uh, in New Jersey, there was a closing de you know, date and deadline, and I'm trying to make the deadlines of everything. And I was turned um, by the other side and said, whoa, 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 what are you worrying about that? that day for i said because that's what we have it's, it's xyz it's it's yeah. yeah it's the closing date and i was i was told whoa whoa no though no, that's only in a about date yeah i said wow an about date i mean when you get married you have a date you don't have an about date when you're buying a home you should have it a date and not okay i yeah. may move in this week that that week or next month yes and, and in 49 states that is the case but not new jersey mm -hmm. so that so know what time of the essence means and understand obviously uh, the differences so it's important that we know here in our area um the, the last point i want to talk about is um some special clauses and the one i want to talk about is this buyer's financial information form Okay, so the law in both states is that buyers must disclose their financial position, just like sellers have to disclose anything they know about the property, material defects in the seller's disclosure, buyers have to disclose their, their uh, financial situation, basically showing that they can buy the house. And a mortgage pre-approval doesn't really do it completely. It doesn't show everything about my finances. So there's a form called buyer's financial information where you as the buyer fill out and you demonstrate to the seller all the different things about your finances, um, you know, how much you make, where you work, uh, your past history with rent, all that sort of thing. Any, any, you know, history with debt, whether you've had problems with credit cards or with bankruptcy or anything like that. All those things the seller has a right to know about. So we just want to call your attention to this because if you're selling a property, you should demand to see that form. 
Okay, just seeing a, a, a pre-approval is not good enough in today's world. It is too easy to get a mortgage pre-approval over the phone from abcmortgage.com or whoever. So if you're selling your home, we want to make sure that you're protected as best as possible. You should be demanding that the buyer show you all of their financial information, and that, that's going to give you a little bit more information. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Warren Flax on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm your host, Warren Flax. Remember, I'll buy your house if it doesn't sell. Visit warrenhasthebuyers.com for details. Hey, we had a great show tonight with Dawn Sharapoff from Green Tree Mortgage and Tony Esposito from Platinum Realty Team talking about the legal mistakes that homeowners and, and buyers make and how to avoid them. I also want to thank our show engineer, Frank Canal. Next week, if you're selling your home, you'll be losing thousands of dollars if you miss out. We have 26 seven valuable tips for you, each of them worth thousands of dollars. That's next week and every Saturday from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's Keeping It Real with Warren Flax. I'm Warren Flax. Flax, I'm Warren Flax. Flax, I'm